G'day everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Sporting Post. And listen, Seb, we've got a cracking episode lined up for everyone. I'm really keen to dive into it. What were your thoughts on our interview that we got for this week? Yeah, look, Mitch, we've got such a great interview. I, I tell you what, like we were wondering all the great ways we can bring the Olympics back to everyone. Yeah, we were lucky enough to be putting in contact with Nathan Templeton, who's Channel 7's reporter from Poolside over in Tokyo at the moment. The man tasked with bringing all the amazing stories, all the amazing goals that we've had and delivering them back to the country. So hearing his experience um, over there and a few other bits and pieces, Kat, I know you weren't able to do the interview, but you've given it a listen. Uh, what were some of your thoughts that you had on it? Yeah, well, firstly, devastated I couldn't be there, guys. Super jealous. But um, yeah, as you said, I've listened to it and I can't wait for everyone to hear this one. Um, a couple of things we covered that I found super interesting. His career so far has had quite the journey. So it's always super interesting to hear about that. Um, but otherwise, super grateful and privileged for, to have a deep dive on the Olympics and his coverage of the athletes, as you said, with Channel 7. Um, yeah, super grateful to have a chat with him. And I'm, again, devastated that I couldn't be there. <laughs> Mitch, did you have a favourite part of the interview that uh, our listeners should have a listen out for? Oh, absolutely. I, I was really fascinated to hear his take on the whole Caitlin McEwen incident um, when she dropped a bit of an F-bomb in the interview, as everyone will probably be um, up to date on now. But it was really fascinating to hear his perspective on obviously being the, the other person involved in that in that exchange. So it was certainly interesting to hear you know, how he goes about handling that kind of situation, you know, what were his thoughts on it when it happened. I think it's certainly something that viewers will be real, uh, listeners will be really interested to hear about. Yeah, 100%. And this was a chat from Saturday morning. So we, we pretty much got him half an hour after the, the pool session where he just walked out and he, he was on the, he was riding a career high, really. Like he just interviewed um, Ariane Titmus and Katie Ledecky together, which like, as he described towards the end of the interview, was a real career highlight. Yeah. So we were super lucky to get him yeah. <laughs> when he was really buzzing, to be honest. All right. Well, without further ado, let's, let's crack into it and let, let, let's uh, give everyone what they want. All right, guys. Well, today it is an absolute pleasure to introduce a name and face that many of you will, of course, be familiar with after the past week or so of the Olympics, um, Nathan Templeton. Welcome to the Sporting Post. Great to be with you guys and what an exciting time to be chatting with you. I've been very lucky to be on the pool deck and seeing lots of golds and other medals. Absolutely. And we will, of course, jump into the action that we've seen today and throughout the week at the Olympics. But before we kind of get into that, I guess for the people who at home who probably recognize your name and face but might not know a lot about you, can you kind of give us a, a quick summary of your career so far? Um, and what's kind of gotten you to this stage in your career? Yeah, um, I was a, probably a bit of a slow starter or a late starter. I wasn't really one of those people who knew I definitely wanted to be a journo or a TV reporter. I kind of um, always loved sport and played a lot of sport. I started studying law, was hopeless at it, and then just did an arts degree at Deakin Uni in Geelong, but I was a terrible student, <laughs> uh, just scraped through. I went and lived overseas for about two and a half years in the UK and traveled and you know worked in pubs so I was really probably 25 before I got what you might call uh, a real job um, when I got back to Australia I decided that I wanted to uh, write um, and so I got casual work at the Geelong Advertiser I grew up in Geelong mm -hmm. um, no full-time job came there so I went to the Colac Herald that was my first full-time proper job as a journo which was a great learning experience and I would recommend anyone going to regional areas if that's what it takes because you learn so much. Uh, then I did PR for the VFL, yep. Victorian Football League, 
And then I really just fell into my first TV job at Southern Cross News in Tasmania. I had a friend who was down there working as a TV reporter and she called me one day and said, there's a job that would be perfect for you. It's, you know, reporting news during the week and being the weekend sport presenter. And um, I got the job and um, sort of that was when I got my teeth into TV and realised that I really liked it. Mm -hmm. So I did that for 18 months, got a job at 10 in Melbourne, uh, four years there, and then got a job at 7 Melbourne in 2012. Um, And that's probably when things started to, I guess, accelerate, doing a few more high-profile gigs. Um, So I did four years as a sport reporter, and then about five years ago, an opportunity came up to be the Melbourne correspondent for Sunrise, mm-hmm. which wasn't something I set out to do at all. Yeah. You know, I'd been, I was married, we we're just about to have our first child, and yeah. um, it was a good opportunity to work Monday to Friday and knock off a bit earlier. It is hard work, but you know, the being a day to day sport reporter is really demanding, and um, it's been great. So, I've, I do Sunrise, and then I've also got um, all these sport gigs like the Olympics, and yeah other bits and pieces that kind of give me my sport fix, but I report a lot of general news as well now. Yeah, look, that's a, that's a great wrap, Nathan. That's, um, you've clearly done a lot with yourself, but what we're all here for, of course, is to hear some of your takes on the Olympics, a bit more of the behind-the-scenes stuff. You've seen one of the greatest battles with um, Ariane Titmus, Katie Ledecky. You've seen a few other great uh, storylines across the last few days. What's What's been your favourite one? Can you tell us what it's like to absorb the emotion of some of these battles? <sighs> Yeah, look, it's it's been every single day there has been at least one, if not more than one, incredible performance. So it sort of just hits you with wave after wave after wave. And yeah. um, probably Titmus Ledecky in the 400 was the biggest one because yeah. we had a number of days to build it up. Mm. Um, you know, Channel 7 promoted it a lot. That felt like the big showdown. And thrilling race you know um that was probably the distance you lived up to it perfectly lived up to it yeah it was yeah exactly and uh you know titmus did exactly what we wanted her to do they were both really um you know graceful in the way they handled themselves um but then each day there's been something else kaylee McEwen uh, and the f-bomb which was uh which was yep. made uh, plenty of waves on social media mm. and then um you know, the relays have been awesome, Zach's doubly cooked. So every day there's been one thing. I've just come from the pool and um, interviewed Ledecky and Titmus side by side, which was a real career highlight. And the way that happened is um, we've got a spot on the pool deck, the Channel 7, it's called the Mixed yep. Zone. So uh, you're in a tiny little pen with your cameraman and you. Um, uh, the host nation always has the first go and then NBC, the Americans are there mm-hmm. uh, and then the Olympic channel and then China and then us. So we're in position number five, which is a really good position. Yeah, We mainly talk to the Aussies. Um, it can get pretty hectic. You get, you know, people who are really happy. You get people who are extremely sad. Um, just today we had tears of joy from Emily Seabom who won a bronze in her fourth Olympics. And yeah, it was great to see. You know, she just broke down. She's a tough character. I've been interviewing her for a long time and I've never seen that emotion from her. So that was a beautiful, natural moment. I spoke to Titmus after she, immediately after she won the silver against Ledecky in the 800 uh, and she was great. And then after they got their medals, um, Arnie came over to us and she's really friendly. Um, you know, we've got a great relationship with her. And just, I said, do you mind waiting for one second? I'd love to speak to you and Katie together. Yeah. And and I said, and if you could help, that would be amazing. She goes, oh, yeah, no worries. And she, Katie was walking past and she said, Katie, Katie. 
And Ledecky said, oh, you want to do it together? And I said, yes, please, that would be awesome. <laughs> and they were, they were so helpful and polite and friendly. Katie Ledecky, Ariane Titmus, Katie, uh, visitors first. Thank you for giving us some time Thank in you. Australia. What a week it's been for the two of you. Um... Look, Ledecky probably during these Olympics has been almost cast as the villain, but she's absolutely not that. No, not at all. She's a lovely person and a champion. And, yeah, to have them shoulder to shoulder talking about each other was just brilliant. Um, so the pool deck, it's a tough job. Um, you know, you've got swimmers, highest of highs, lowest of lows. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're always puffing and panting. And then yeah. adding the masks and the distance at this Games has been really different. Yeah. You know, you can't get close to them. Um, you know, you've got to speak loudly, so I'm conscious. I don't want to sound like I'm shouting to the viewers at home. Yeah, Swimmers can't hear me. I can barely hear their answers, so I can't always respond to what they've just said. So okay. it's been a challenge, but all our guys have been so generous with their time. Um, the Aussie swim team speaks so well, especially the women, but the, mm. the men have been great too. One of my favourite interviews really was Kyle Chalmers after the silver mm-hmm. in the 100 to Caleb Dressel, which could have easily gone either way, and he spoke so well uh he was really eloquent and and uh, very measured and it was a really good interview because we don't always see that side of kyle yeah well just following up on that like how do you feel being able to tell like help australia see these people's stories like it's such a big job to be able to showcase these athletes to us back home yeah do you feel do you feel that pressure yeah look it is pre- there is pressure and it's a privilege like i never lose sight of the fact that i'm the first one they see and then my interview is the first thing that the viewers see. So mm-hmm. it's a pretty big gig. And look, I've been doing it for a while now, but I still get very nervous. You know, we we did the 2015 World Championships in Kazan in Russia, which was a great learning curve for me. Mm-hmm. We won a lot of medals. I met all the swimmers. I've always liked swimming, but as a day-to-day sports reporter in Melbourne, you know, it's all footy, cricket. I worked on the tennis, but, you know, swimming isn't something you report on all that regularly. And, you know, I learned there. I went to Rio. Uh, I feel like I'm much better at the job than I was in Rio. We had a lot of disappointing results there as well. And I learned a lot about staying on your toes. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Kate Campbell was expected to win gold in the 100 in Rio and she didn't. And I don't think I did a very good interview after that. I sort of had a few plans in my head. I sort of had the gold medal interview. I had the sort of other medal interview, but I didn't really prepare properly for that I don't want to say disaster it's too harsh but it was heartbreaking both Campbell's missing medals so you learn to have backup plans in your head you got to adapt quickly to what's just happened you really can't pre-plan too many questions because you have to respond to what everyone has just seen if you stick to your script uh it just is hopeless yeah exactly it's great to have some little thoughts, a couple of lines, some stats and facts that will add to the interview. But it's a it's a test of your ability to adapt live on air. And the other thing is getting to know the swimmers. You know, some <clears throat> are very excitable, some swear, uh, some are really low-key. There are some who are so driven by times that they'll almost, even if they've won a medal, they'll be disappointed because they didn't do a PB, whereas others are pure racers and love the contest. So that's a big part of it. And you really can only do that through experience uh, by getting to know them and interviewing them in the past. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And you, you've obviously touched on um, Kaylee McEwen um, and your interview with her yeah. a few days ago. 
what's it what, what runs through your mind when you kind of hear her say that word and you're like oh you're not allowed to say that yeah um what kind of goes through your head and how do you kind of deal with it and try and do you like want to move on as quickly as possible so that it kind of gets forgotten about or like mm. it doesn't kind of linger in the air a little bit or is it is it an opportunity to have a bit of a laugh like what's your kind of thought process when something unexpected like that happens yeah it certainly sets your mind racing because we do sometimes have to pre-record those interviews if there's an ad break or another Aussie's coming up in the next event you sometimes record them Uh, and so the first thing I thought of is this definitely live or was it (laughs) pre-recorded no it was definitely live Um, and then I thought you know what I'd it's funny. Yeah. Um, I, I think that Australia was so excited. We'd had Titmus the day before. We'd had Kaylee with her story with her father uh, passing away a year ago. I just thought it all added up to a great moment. And I actually did think to myself, this is going to be the thing that is on social media. It was on the front page of the papers with a few uh, asterisks yeah. on it. <laughs> this will be the grab that's used in the news. And this will be what makes people love her. I think I said, oh, we better get the beep ready. Yep. But I didn't mean it. I was just sort of trying to be funny and play along. Uh, so I didn't feel the need to shut it down. I didn't think it was an offensive way to use that word. Uh, she wasn't swearing at someone. It was a celebration. Yeah, you're right. Your mum, Sharon, and your big sister, Taylor, are there watching. It's been such a difficult time for your whole family. Yeah. What would you like to say to your mum and your sister for now? Yeah, oh, <laughs> to be honest, I, I I had the question about her dad loaded in my head for next, and I probably should have lingered on the swearing a bit longer to milk it more, but I didn't want to miss the opportunity to ask her about her father. So yeah, that was a good example of um, remembering your questions, but be prepared to shuffle the order depending on what's just happened. Yeah. Oh, it's it's just interesting. I don't know how you kind of saw it, Mitch, but I thought it was a really iconic moment to be honest. Yeah. I'm glad that Channel Seven kind of ran with it. I'm glad that you ran with it because it was I don't know, it was great television. And even Seven put it up on their social media, which was great to see, I think, Mitch. I think changing the guard a bit. Yeah, and I think that I think the one thing viewers want to do is get to know the swimmers, you know. Um hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we built up Ariane, she's the she's moved from Tassie to Queensland, she's very composed. She's determined. We sort of knew a lot about her. She spoke beautifully. Um, Kaylee's a bit more of a character. You know, she's funny. She's young. She's been through a lot. She's a bit rough around the edges. And the McEwans are kind of a tough bunch, as she said. And, you know, she did the the shaka and um, she swore twice. And then after she won the 200 just this morning, she did the the pistol to the mouth. Like, Yeah, that was awesome. She's a character and they're the things that we want to see from these people. It's what makes you remember them as well. Yeah, 100%. I certainly don't think people saw it as a moment to be offended. It was just kind of a moment where like that that we want to see – I guess people, a lot of time people kind of bemoan, you know, athletes that just kind of give the the kind of standard like full credit to my team kind of responses. Mm. We want to see people flesh out their character. We want to see what people are really like rather than just the way that I guess maybe a media advisor wants them to or like a PR person wants them to portray themselves. Yeah, and I, I think we've got a big problem with that in the AFL media, to be honest. Absolutely. You know, yep. anyone who shows any character is, you know, arrogant or uh, a narcissist or loves themselves and, you know, coaches don't help um, in that regard a lot of the time. Some coaches are fine. You be yourself, do whatever you want, but, you know, other coaches are old school and then you get the old-fashioned like former coaches, former players trying to whack blokes down for 
having a personality. Paddy Dangerfield's one who yeah. you know, is crucified by supporters of opposition and certain media types who yeah. don't like the fact that he has fun and is a happy person who enjoys life. And I think if you want yeah. it to be an entertaining game, as long as you're respectful to your opponent, um, I, I, that, that really annoys me. Um, that people say, oh, if you go down Media Street, you better perform well. We're very, very slowly getting there. but And it's a two-way street. You know, if a, if a player shows any personality, everyone goes bananas and the media over-report it, which puts everyone else off mm-hmm. off being a character. Yeah, look, you're not wrong. Not wrong at all. Just bringing it back to the Olympics a little bit, Nathan, um, there's obviously been plenty of things that have changed with uh, with this event compared to the many others that you've you've covered. How does it relate to, to all the other ones? Do you think you've, um, I don't know, is it weird to ask you if you think you've performed well or do you think you've had better events? How do you, how do you see it? Well, I think if, if you're asking about me personally, I do think that I've, I was mu- I'm much better here than I was in Rio. Yeah. Well, just, just, just personally, it seems like you've had so many great moments. Yeah, and look, the key to that is the performances. You know, if, you, if mm. you're interviewing people who have come forth by a fingernail, uh, it's a very different interview to people who have won gold. Oh, and yeah. Some of our, I don't like calling them minor medals, some of our silvers and bronzes have almost felt like wins as well. Yeah. Um, you know, Kate Campbell, Kyle Chalmers performed so well, Emily Seabom today, that bronze. So coming back to your question, um, it all hinges on the performance of the athletes uh, in terms of what type of interviews I have done. But it's also five years since Rio and I've learned a lot and I've covered a lot of swimming since then. The Com Games was was huge for that. And um, so I would I would expect to perform better here and I think I have, but it's mainly been aided by the fact we've won so many medals. But in terms of the event as a whole, it's been brilliant. I feel like we've got a real responsibility to people back in Australia more than ever to bring them the best stuff we possibly can because people are having a really hard time there. You know, I'm from Melbourne. I went through last year with, you know, two little kids and a wife did the really hard yard. So I think it's important that we convey the best action we can. And I also feel like if anything, we dial up the positive side of things because of that. I think it's important to read the mood of the viewers and um you know we're always kind of cheerleaders at the olympics but it feels like even more so it's okay to do it this time because everyone needs it they need a they need a boost they need to escape reality um it's such a shame that there's not crowds here because tokyo is just magnificent the organization is so good um i don't want to talk down rio too much but that was that was hard work it was a terrible time zone for australia too but you know catching multiple buses and um yeah you know this they weren't as well organised. The technology one wasn't as good. The facilities weren't as good. Whereas here, they've got absolutely everything perfect. But sadly, there's no uh, yeah. no fans in the stands. There's no busy live sites in the middle of the city to get people pumped up. So it's quiet. It's almost tailor-made for us. It sort of feels like a movie set because there's no pedestrians or traffic. <laughs> uh, so it's easy for us to get around and do our job really well. Yeah. Uh, but it is a shame to not have the buzz of the city. Yeah, I, I tell you what, I've I've been to Tokyo myself, and I can t- I envy you. I tell you what, it's a great city. Uh, it's obviously a shame, like you said, that we can't kind of have the fan aspect to it. Um, even if there wouldn't be a lot, there wouldn't have been a lot of Australian fans. It's just great to have an atmosphere um, of you know cheering and support. Um, and I really think a lot of these sports, you know, players and athletes feed off um, 
the support they get from fans. So I think yeah. um, that kind of aspect is certainly missing. But I think regardless of that, Channel 7 and all the broadcasts have done a great job of kind of bringing it to us um, and making us, yeah, giving us an opportunity to kind of escape from the day-to-day life, which has been far from perfect yeah. uh, in recent times. There's almost been a silver lining in a way, talking about the swimming, is that normally the parents would be here and the families would be here. Yeah. And it's difficult to access them at the Olympics. You can sort of ask them to come and meet you later kind of thing. But the fact that Channel 7 has been able to get cameras into the homes of those people and the resort in Noosa has given us that immediate uh, response from uh, the families. So that's actually worked in our uh, favour, to be honest, from a broadcast point of view. Yeah. I know the swimmers would love to have their parents here, so that's been good. Mm. And the other thing with the swimming is they're allowing swimmers, their teammates in the stand, so they can make a bit of noise, there's a bit of colour, so yeah. that definitely helps. It doesn't feel totally dead. No, you've been able to watch some swimmers watch their own parents being interviewed before they even talk to you as well. Like, Is that special? Do you see some great moments there? Yeah, and it feels like we're on the same team as them, and I know that you've got to be careful um, you know, to be objective and, and um, do your job as a journalist. But they're over here without their families and a lot of them are so young. Mm. And so even just, you know, turning my monitor around and turning the volume up so they can hear what their mum and dad are saying, it, it's like we're playing our little part in connecting them with their with their families. And I think that's yeah. it's a great moment that normally, as I said, normally wouldn't happen on the broadcast. So um, that's been a very special part of part of it for Channel 7. Yeah, just just one more following up on that. We talked about support. It would be, uh, I think it would be wrong of us if we didn't ask if you saw Dean Boxall's reaction when <laughs> Kittness on the 200. Did you see a, a backwards angle? Is there anything that we missed that, um, that we'd love to hear about? I, we interviewed that um, Usha, the volunteer Japanese lady who was sort of half-heartedly trying to stop him. Yeah. And um, she was a great character and she played along with it. It was good fun and she said, yeah, next time I'll stop him. Um, I've known Boxel for a while now and he does carry on a bit, but that was his all-time best. And it was sort of the talk of the pool deck that day because the Americans, actually the Americans I spoke to loved it. They thought it was funny, but social media in America, they're not great losers. Um, yeah. They were all saying it was disrespectful. But the thing about Boxel is it's genuine. He wasn't – got to remember when someone's on camera, you know, in his situation, he doesn't know he's on camera. So that's his real reaction. He's not manufacturing that. And he does things like that quite a lot. So I think to, when you – when you keep hold one shot of him for 15 seconds, you think, oh, calm down, mate. Jeez, he's milking it. But that was the moment. Um, and he doesn't realise he's being filmed then. So he's a he's a good bloke and it's a genuine reaction and his swimmers love him. Yeah, great to see. Yeah, and I think to talk down on someone who's – I mean, obviously we didn't know if we were going to get the Tokyo Olympics, right? This has been a very – obviously this is such an emotional time for these and this is a kind of the culmination of four or five years of incredibly hard work. And it's paid off and she's just beaten, you know, one of, if not the greatest female swimmers ever. Mm. And I think the idea that you would kind of talk down on any kind of reaction from a coach is just is completely ridiculous. I thought it was fantastic. And I think it's the kind of thing that we want to see as fans is um, coaches and players really getting invested in what they're doing. You know, we want to see the passion the same way we have the passion for the sport. It brings it back to the, the personalities point. Yeah, and I think it's also important to note that he was celebrating something good 
he wasn't taunting an opponent. Yeah. He wasn't being a bad sport. You know, I think that one thing I hate in sport is, um, you know, taunting the opposition. I, I, it was his. He's happy for himself because it's an achievement for him. But he loves his swimmer so much. He's so invested that he was celebrating with himself and with Arnie. He wasn't hurting anyone no. by doing it. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Look, Nathan, we're just about out of time, but. Uh, with every guest, we'd love to get a little bit of advice from them just for our uni listeners. Like you said before, you, um, one of your philosophies was don't try too hard in uni, but if you've got <laughs> any others that um, that uh, have helped you succeed throughout your career that might be able to help a few people. Look, the, the key thing, if you know that you want to be a, in the media, go for it at the youngest age you possibly can. Probably with me, I didn't have a clue what I was going to do. I was just meandering along and... Um, but if you know you want to do it, like what you guys are doing right now is a perfect example. Um, my main advice is get your foot in the door somewhere, somehow. So whether it is volunteering at a local community radio station, one night someone will be sick and they'll say, can you do the graveyard shift? And then you've got your show reel and you're on air. Mm-hmm. You'll be amazed I found when I was coming into the media and young people coming into the media, when you're young, you can think it's a bigger deal than it really is to be a reporter. You know, when you see someone on TV, you think, gee, they must be so good. They must have done all this training. They must have all this experience. There's people who are doing news reports on Metro uh, news, um, news bulletins who have got barely any, had barely any background before they got there. You know, you could come in on weekends and do help graphics you could sit on the chief of staff desk and answer the phone as a volunteer work experience whatever it is if you've got a foot in the building you're a long way towards getting a job so use the contacts you've got if you've got that friend whose brother works for channel nine or what channel seven whatever Mm. just ask a favor Mm -hmm. push and do it and get yourself in the door impress when you get there and you just won't, you will be so surprised with the opportunities that will come up. Then when you get the opportunity, well, you've got to be good enough to nail it, but it's not as hard as people think. You just need a bit of luck and you just need to keep pushing. And I know when I was younger, if someone told me this, well, I can't be bothered. I want to go out this weekend and get drunk and play footy and watch the cats (laughs) or whatever. Um, If you want to do it, just sort of make it happen. Find an angle, find a way in the door somewhere and you'll get an opportunity. The other thing I like to think, and you don't have to do this, but my background was doing the regional rounds. So, and it's hard for people from Melbourne in particular, I reckon, or from a big city to think about going to the country, but you'll learn so much. If you get offered a job at Win Bendigo, Prime, Shepparton or whatever the hell it is, you know, um, just take it. If you hate it, come back, but you'll love it and yeah. you'll have your show reel and you'll be a real journo who is working. And I know a lot of news directors still rate that really highly. If you've done your time in the regions, um, you'll be much better when you get to the city. Yeah, awesome. Now, Nathan, just before we let you go, we've been lucky enough to grab you after one of your career highlights, really. just yeah. How are you feeling? Has it sunk in? Well, that, that's what I'm meant to ask, but I try not to ask that one. Um, uh, it's um, because if you ask, has it sunk in, they'll say no. So ask, ask something else. Um, that, that's another little lesson for interviews is um, 
and I, I, I ask statements all the time. It's impossible to do it with every interview because you sound ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but if you can ask a question rather than make a statement, that's always a good tip because it makes them answer the question. They're not. But anyway, to answer your question, um, yeah, I, I can't help looking at social media in, you know, sometimes you dread looking at it because people, no matter what you do, someone will, you know, think you're a tosser or whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's been pretty positive this so far. Um I, to be honest, I actually really thought seriously about not coming to Tokyo. We've got a four-year-old and a one-year-old at home. Mm. And as well as the three weeks here, I've got to do two weeks in quarantine. So that's five weeks away from my family. Mm. Um, I, you know, I, I almost didn't come. I'm so glad I did. It's been, this has been my career highlight yeah. so far, definitely. I've done some great stuff, other Olympics, Com Games and Australian Open, AFL Grand Final, all that stuff. But this has been my my highlight so far, to do the swimming in Tokyo. Um, I hope I'm doing a good job. I've got one morning to go. So hopefully a few more few more medals and then I move on to another sport. Awesome. Awesome. Beautiful. All right. Well, we will leave it there um, and let you get a bit of rest before you're, you're back out poolside. Um, thank you so much, Nathan. It's been great listening to you. It's been great chatting to you about everything that's happened in the Olympics and it seems like you've obviously got some great advice for any of our listeners who are interested in the media. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much um, and we'll see you next time. It's a pleasure, guys. Well done on doing this podcast. You're well on your way and good luck to everyone listening. Thanks, fellas. Too easy. Thank you. Mm-hmm.